0: Welcome to season two of A Good Story Starts With. I have Carlos with me today. Um, So this is the first time we're actually having like a long form conversation between Carlos and I. So you will get to hear us. I guess it's like the first time you meet somebody. This is the first impression we're having and it's being recorded. So it's going to be a thing. But yeah, Carlos, how are you? I am great. How are you? I am well. Um, just before you were mentioning that you've just been in back-to-back meetings, how do you like handle staring at a screen for like ages? <laughs> well,
1: that's my job. I, I'm a software engineer, so I'm used to staring at a screen. But it is tiring to collaborate with people over over video. Mm-hmm. It's much more tiring than in person.
0: Yeah, I can so
1: imagine working from home. There's a, a lot of a lot of a lot more of this video or chat, it depends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, I'm not in lots of meetings, usually. This is it's just today for some reason. Lots of meetings today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's all right. Um, if I were to ask you, "Hey, Carlos, who are you and whose are you?" how would you answer that? Whose are you? Mm-hmm. Like, who do I belong to? Yeah. in oh, any way how you would interpret that question, but who are That's you and whose are you? That's an amazing question. My name is Carlos. I'm from Brazil. I mean, I
1: was born in Brazil. I, yeah, (laughs) I moved here when I was 20, being here in Australia, that is. I don't know how how global your podcast is. Yeah, that's
0: uh, Australia and New Zealand, so.
1: Oh, cool, great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I've been in Australia since 2007 and graduated in computer science. I'm a software engineer's job. Mm-hmm. I have a wife and two kids. Oop, oop. And I do many many things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> many things. Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago I started a a um streetwear a label called Nonconforming that I'm wearing right now.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: But the thing is it's just me, it's just me. Uh-huh. So it, I haven't put a lot of thought in marketing or anything, but I just I do like all sorts of different things and at the moment I'm studying as well. I'm doing a Master's of Divinity with the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary of in America like it's all online yeah, so it's very easy i mean it's, it's it's not easy, but it's because it's online, it's pretty true you can do it in your own time you just have to do it like there's deadlines for things and whose am I? Well, I am a Christian, therefore I belong to Jesus. So that's, that's who I am. That's who, whose I am. Mm-hmm.
0: That's so beautiful. Like, that is a lot of things that you do. A lot of things. That, that is... That's, like... that's not, there's only half of it, probably. <laughs> but I'm intrigued of how, like, you decided to move from Brazil when you were 20 to move to Australia. Like, what was the draw mm-hmm. to Australia?
1: Oh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. So I, in Brazil, I was doing computer science. But, so I became a Christian when I was about 13-ish, around that time. I always thought, oh, I want to go and be a missionary or I want to go to seminary or something. And, And, but at first, it's really funny me saying this now, given what I'm doing right now. But I didn't want to go into a seminary that will last like four years, three years, four years, which is what I'm doing right now. <laughs> so I was thinking, I'll go to Youth with a Mission. I don't know if you ever heard of Youth with a Mission. And they have like this five, it's a, it's a missionary organization and they have like f- this five month, five month courses, which is like the introduction course. Mm-hmm. And you go and do it for five months and then you can do extra ones. So you can do more missions and stuff like that. So I was thinking about doing that. And I was was thinking, oh, Hawaii, they have the the main base in Hawaii. I'm like, oh, I want to go to Hawaii, the youth with the mission. But my family was like, oh, maybe start your degree first, you know, take a day off and then maybe do that. Yeah. Oh, a year off or something Mm -hmm. later. So I was thinking about that. But I started my degree first to study computer science. And then one day, a friend of mine who was a missionary who had kids, so we're friends, but he's like much older than me. I was friends with his daughter and his son, but one day he came to me. I was like, "Oh, my daughter wants to go to Hillsong College. What do you think?" I don't know. I don't know. Never heard of this before. I mean, the people in my church were obsessed with Hillsong, and I, I never cared. I couldn't care less. I was just like, "Oh, I don't like the music. I don't know. I don't meh, whatever." Yeah. So I never was into it. I'm like, "Yeah, great, mm-hmm. whatever." <laughs> they will go to church, and then we watch. The, not not in the service, but like when they're hanging out. They watch a DVD of, oh, the new album came up. And they were watching it. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool story. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It's all right. <laughs> and then because he asked me, she wanted to do Houston College. I was like, oh, what is this? So I went and searched, re- did my research. I'm like, oh, this looks interesting. It's a one-year course. I can do one-year course in Australia. That, that looks interesting. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to do. You know, one-year course, not too long. Because mm-hmm. they do three years and four, I don't know, whatever they do these days. Yeah. And then at the same time, there was a concert. Houston United went to Brazil. And they did a concert in São Paulo, which was not where I lived. Mm-hmm. It was like a, a whole day's drive, basically. We went. Oh. There was an excursion. We went on a bus. We went to this concert. And I was like, "Oh, let's let's do it. Let's find out what they are about." Mm-hmm. All these people from my church were so excited to go. I knew nothing. I knew no lyrics of nothing. So I was just standing there in the stadium and like couldn't barely could barely see the lyrics because it was the, far away. Yeah. I had no idea what they were singing. <laughs> It was really funny because I'm like I'm, I don't belong here.
2: Oh no! But
1: then I think it was Joe Houston. He he said uh, something along the lines: "Oh, we're not here to change your nation.
2: Hmm.
1: You need to do it. You do it in your neighborhoods and and as you live your Christian life." And I'm like, "Oh wow, yeah, that's it. I that's, yeah. I, I agree with that. I believe in that. Yeah. That's what i So that's the moment I realized: Yeah, I think I should uh, maybe I'll go to some college. Do hmm. that for a year. And that's what I did. That's why I moved to Australia. Mm-hmm. And I was going to go back. That was my plan. But my mom was like, nah, you're never coming back. <laughs> when I left, when I left, am like, don't worry, I'll be back in a year, you know? And she's like, nah, you're never coming back. <laughs> she was right. She was like, but do you go back to visit, though? I of course, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. But she knew I was not going to move back to Brazil. She just, somehow, she just knew. Mm-hmm. It was, Moms it was always funny. know, though. They always do. <laughs> Usually, yeah, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I would say so, yeah.
0: But that's so cool. And like you, you did the Hillsong um, college for a year. And then what happened after that? Yeah. So that year,
1: you know, when you, when you, when you have a career or you're about to have a career, I mean, look, when you're a teenager and you have to decide what to do with for the rest of your life, it's a very difficult decision. No one knows. And Correct. when I talk to teenagers, I'm a youth leader at my church now. Yeah. <clears throat> not Hillsong anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And sometimes I ask them, they are 15, about 15. Yeah. 16. I'm like, so what are you going to do when you finish school? And they don't know. Nobody knows. Yeah. very few people know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I tell them, don't worry. You don't need to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even when you finish, even at my age, sometimes I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am studying. I'm doing a, a master of divinity. Why am mm-hmm. I well, I'm telling you this? I'm telling you this because when I moved that first year, I prayed a lot and I was asking God, do you want me to do ministry,
2: mm-hmm.
1: or do you want me to work, right, in as a software engineer or in have a career? And I prayed and I said, God, close all the doors if you don't want me to do this; otherwise, open them. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Show me what you mean to do, right? So I went and started applying for jobs. Because I, I mean, I needed to pay for stuff. Yeah, and you needed to survive. <laughs> like first I of to all, survive. You need to. Well, eat. Thankfully, I'm, I'm very, I'm very thankful and grateful that my grandfather helped me mm-hmm. he was able to afford a lot of my expenses mm-hmm. and paid for most of my studies so very thankful to that mm-hmm. but you know in brazil money in brazil is not as valuable as here so it was it was tough mm-hmm. and i'm like let's find a job i applied for everything mm-hmm. <laughs> everything and they all like oh but you're not a permanent resident Oh, you're a student you can only work 20 hours there's all these problematic problems right mm-hmm. And I had experience already because my mom made me work since I was 16. So in Brazil, I was working in my area already since I was 16 mm-hmm. by some miracle. Like it was fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> so I had experience. I hadn't finished my degree, but I had experience. Yeah. And then I applied. What did I do? One day I went to the Google office in Australia because I heard there was a Google office in Australia. I didn't I so. even know there was a Google office in Australia. Oh, yeah. It's pretty big now. Yeah. Pretty big in Sydney. Yeah. And I went there and gave them a resume in person and they were like, ah, uh, you weirdo. <laughs> kind of. Didn't didn't say that, but they're like, oh, you need to apply online, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I went online and I realized I saw that they had a what did they have? They have a uh, they had a su- code, code something, code summit something rather. Mm-hmm. There was something. Yeah. Some conference. Yeah. And it was the next day. And I'm like, oh hold on this is not what happened okay all right I applied online mm-hmm. applied online sorry this is what happened I applied online got a call from a recruiter mm-hmm. did an interview and then when I told them I was still studying and uh, they were like oh well then keep studying then we'll talk to you in a year all right. and then I went online and found that they were gonna have i think I think that's I think that's the sequence of events mm-hmm. and I went online and found that they had a a this conference mm-hmm. And it was the next day and I had class that day. I skipped, skipped class, <laughs> didn't go. And I went to register online and it was full. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to show up and see if they let me in. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I did. <laughs> went in there, showed up. They let me in after some time. They're like, oh yeah, it's not full. Come in, whatever. Yeah. And went to this, I don't remember anything about, like they, they were talking about their products and whatnot. And then I met some people from UNSW, the Uni- University of New South Wales, which is where I ended up doing my degree.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I told them, oh, I'm doing this um, next year. I mean, I, I need to continue my degree. Mm-hmm. I'll probably go to Brazil and finish. I don't know. And they're like, oh, wow. Okay. And I kind of gave, told them a bit of my experience with computing and whatever I did. And they gave me this email from this professor from UNSW mm-hmm. saying, he's looking for a job. Send him an email. Like, like for, He's looking for people. Send him an email. Mm-hmm. So I did, and he, yeah, he called me for an interview. He was impressed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was going to be for something else, like a different position. Yeah. It's boring details, but one thing led to another. I ended up working in that company as casual.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like, oh, we'll let you in for a month and see how you go, and we'll keep you if you're good.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I just stayed there until, until I finished Houston College, the year of college, and then I applied to transfer my computer science degree to NSW. Mm-hmm. And I ended up finishing it in Australia. Yeah. That's so cool. Oh that
0: was goodness. a question. Right? That was a question. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah.
2: There's,
0: there were so many, like, meetings that you had or people you met that were just, like, right place, right time. Yes. Yeah. That is just so cool. Right. Yeah. How did you find uh, the transition from, like, Brazilian culture to Australian culture when you first came here? Um, And how have you embraced both of those aspects now, like, what, 13 years later? Yeah, good question.
1: Hmm. It was a bit of a shock. Uh, Well, it's different, Mm -hmm. right? It's different. There were many Brazilians in Houston College who couldn't stay and they left Mm -hmm. halfway through the year. They just couldn't stay. A lot of it is because you miss your family. I was just—it was just me here from my family, just mm-hmm. me, right? Biggest shocks, I think, were B- Brazilians are more laid back in a way. We time is relative. <laughs> <laughs> Although that was the biggest shock when I first started dating my wife, mm-hmm. because she always wanted to be to own time for things and it's un- completely understandable especially for family things and in my mind i'm like family things Pfft. there's no time to go to your family's house you go anytime you show up to your parents house anytime it doesn't matter that's if true. you say i'm coming for lunch it doesn't what time is lunch it doesn't matter what time is lunch you come at 10 that's lunch you come at one that's lunch anytime is lunch mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? anytime is food time not in australia though no if you say 12 30 twelve thirty. 12 30 so we we'll get this conv- conversations <laughs> Oh, well, we're only five minutes late now, but it's five minutes, five minutes, this. And I was like, in my mind, I was just like, this makes no sense. But anyway, this was later. Yeah. Because I didn't start dating her until later. But the first shock was more the food, I think. Yeah. First time I went to a Bra- to a Brazilian barbecue. First time I went invited to a barbecue, I was like, ooh, barbecue. I love barbecues. <laughs> and then I got there, it was a sausage on a bread. And I'm like, excuse me, you can call this whatever you want. But this is not a barbecue. Okay. This is not a barbecue. (laughs) This is a sausage on a bread. Um. Don't call this a barbecue. This is an offense (laughs) to barbecue. (laughs) I was shocked. Honestly, I was shocked when I went to my first Australian barbecue. Now I embrace them all. Like if I know I'm going to an Australian barbecue, I'm like, oh yeah, I know. I'm having sausage on bread. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like sausage. I don't mind. Mm -hmm. With the occasional meat. But as soon as I moved to a house, which didn't happen until maybe two years ago, Mm -hmm. I finally had a b- backyard where I could cook my own Brazilian barbecue, yeah. with coals and meat on a on a skewer, and that's how you make a barbecue. That's. And also, the my first week, so it's all food. Like my biggest shocks all food related, that's in language as well. Mm-hmm. But my first week, I I was living in this house with two other people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It was all college found the college accommodation, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm gonna cook dinner tonight. He's like, Oh, cool, great. So I went to the city and then I found chicken hearts. Of course. yeah. And I was like, oh, chicken hearts, that's so cheap. So I made this chicken heart stir fry-ish kind of thing. <laughs> and they're all very excited for the food. Mm-hmm. And then when I served it, they looked at it and they're like, what is this? Oh, no. One of, one of them was from Germany. The other one was from Sweden. <gasps> and they looked at it and they're like, what is this? And I'm like, oh, it's chicken hearts. And they're like, what? Who eats chicken hearts? And even my dog, I could think is who doesn't eat chicken hearts. We all chick- eat chicken hearts.
0: <laughs> <sighs> really funny. This is so. Good. This is pure gold.
1: It's, it's oh amazing. It's... It was amazing. And then also another shock was the first day I arrived, and it was a Friday, and there was a youth on that Friday, and I wasn't doing anything related to youth. But I'm like, oh, I'm, Hills. I'm, a, I'm here, Hillsong. Let's go to this youth service. Mm-hmm. I did not understand a single word they said from that stage. Really? How come? I I, I don't know. It was Australian English. It was weird. <laughs> I learned English in Brazil and I I I honest I honest to you, I did not understand. All I did is whenever everyone got up, I got up. Whenever everyone <laughs> sat down, I sat down. <laughs> and then I walked back to my apartment just thinking. Am how I- am I gonna <laughs> do this? I don't understand this language. What kind of English is this? It was so I think it's because they were like youth and they're all talking slangs and stuff and trying to be cool. Mm -hmm. I did not understand. It took me maybe three months to fully understand my lectures, especially the Australian ones, like the ones who had a very strong Australian accent.
0: Wow.
1: Like to fully understand them.
0: That's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Some shocks. Some some of the shocks. Yeah, Yeah. All of the shocks. Um, when when was the moment, or if there was a moment, that you were like, oh my goodness, I actually love Australia. Like, I want to stay here and build um, a family and build a legacy here.
2: Hmm.
1: I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think I just got really involved at church mm-hmm. and I was really enjoying it. And I just couldn't see myself going back. And then I started studying here and... It was good. I made friends. It was yeah. Yeah. It was a good situation. Yeah. And as the years progress, I don't know, you just Brazil is complicated. <laughs> Brazil is a is a complicated place with very problematic politics and and it's just hard. Yeah. Brazil is hard. Mm-hmm. Brazil it's not safe, safety wise. Mm-hmm. You know, every time I go to Brazil now, every time I go back, I mean, I used to live there. I used to walk there at night. Never had a problem. Never had a thought in the world. But now that I go back with my family, especially with family with the kids, mm. I think, oh, wow, is it safe to do this? Is it safe to go out at this time?
2: Mm.
1: <laughs> you know, because there's more crime. Yeah. It's it's interesting. And a lot of it, I again, as I said, I used to live there. I used to walk home at night. I used to live near a, a kind of a favela, which is like the slums. And sometimes they will, I could hear gunshots at night. You know, one day we were leaving our house and the SWAT team just came to my neighbors as well. As, as I was opening the gate, like five different cars just came rushing, got with rifles and guns. And I'm like, Oh, well that's fun. <laughs> I'll close the gate and went back inside. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, you know? you like slowly close it. Didn't see anything. Yeah, like, didn't... What do I do here? Yeah. Like, What is going on? But, it's all, but I mean, that's where I used to live, but the media, you know, when you're outside, you're not there. You think it's much worse than it is. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I was is safer in that sense. And I just had friends and mm-hmm. never thought of, well, don't know if I want to come back anymore. Yeah. But there wasn't that moment one day that I'm like, this is the moment. Mm-hmm. I think it just happened gradually.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned before that you now are doing a seminary degree at Southern Baptist Bible College, but you started at Hillsong. Hillsong mm-hmm. and Southern Baptist don't mix. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're very different. They're yes. very different. How how did this decision occur? Oh, ooh, cool. Cool. They send you- this is the most most expensive mug that I have because <laughs>
1: I, I had to get it shipped from America all the way here. <laughs> can imagine.
0: Um, but like what made you decide? What to- made me change? Yeah. I, right. I'm very intrigued by this. Yeah, right. Look, I grew up,
1: my mom became a Christian in a Presbyterian church. Mm-hmm. My babysitter, since I was six months old, she's like, she's almost a second mom to me. Mm-hmm. She always prayed for us. She was from an Assemblies of God church. She still is Assemblies of God, who is very very, very Pentecostal. I don't know how familiar your audience is with, with Christianity and churches and stuff, but I'll give a I'll try to give a some brief overview. Thank you. So I uh yes. So she became a Christian in a Presbyterian church, very traditional church. Didn't like the church much, mostly because the other kids made fun of me. <laughs> So when I was, uh, I think, seven and eight, because I wore sandals, and no one one else wore sandals or something. And they, I don't know, they made fun of my sandals. I don't know. Oh, this is weird. I don't want to go to to the class today. And my mom was like, why not? I'm like, oh, because I think she talked to the teacher and told them to stop. I think so. And when you're a kid, you don't really realize, you don't really notice these things. Mm -hmm. But then we moved. When I was nine, we moved to another city. There was no Presbyterian church there. So we went to this little church near our house, which happened to be a Pentecostal church, mm-hmm. a small Pentecostal church, non-denominational. It was just like this, whatever Pentecostal church. But they were very biblical. They were very, well, they were... You can you can argue maybe not because they're already Pentecostal. <laughs> oh
0: my goodness, <laughs> <But>
1: no. <laughs> let, me, let me not let me not throw let me not throw any shade here. But no, but they were very it's like, very biblical. We we're always reading the Bible. So I had a good foundation
2: mm-hmm.
1: as a teenager. That's when I became a Christian, right? And I read the Bible a lot and was highly involved in all this. And then when I was fifteen, we moved again. And then we went to a Baptist church. First First Baptist church, a more traditional Baptist church, definitely not a Pentecostal church. Yeah. And Because Baptist means anything <laughs> There's all sorts of different Baptist churches Some great. of them are Pentecostal the Some of them are not Some of them are more traditional Some of them are not There's not really a central Baptist thing Even the Southern Baptist Convention in America mm-hmm. There are Southern Baptist churches That don't follow the decisions in the convention Because it's not binding It's non-binding yeah. The Baptists are basically just like an umbrella To help, to give them support mm-hmm. You're part of the thing But you have independence You can do whatever you want mm-hmm. But anyway, so that was a good church as well. Very good church, very biblical, good foundation. But I was a bit annoyed mm-hmm. towards my my last year in Brazil. I was a bit annoyed because some of the leadership were doing things and I was like, oh, I don't like this. They were I was a little bit annoyed. right? And I think some of it was me, some of it was the people. And when I came, I came to Hillsong. So the question was, why am I doing SBTS not Hillsong College? But I'll get to there in a moment. It's Just need, we need a bit of a background to That's fully understand. That's right. Context is very from. important. Where, where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. So when I came to Hillsong, I was very, I was kind of like suspicious of churches. Okay. Because I'm like, oh, this leadership—they're doing this. And when I came to Hillsong, I was like, oh, I like this church. You know, mm-hmm. it's nice. There's no gossip. Or at least not that I knew at the time, or yeah. know of. Mm-hmm. But I think the culture in Brazil as well—it's much more gossip-like, and or maybe it was the town, the city—I don't know. But there was a yeah. bit more of mm-hmm. like fighting and stuff, and also the nature of a the nature of a church that has an assembly where the members make decisions, as opposed to you have a senior pastor and, and that makes all the decisions himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's also different, right? Yeah. Because if you don't like it, you go to a different church. Mm-hmm. But in a church where you have the members make decisions, they vote. They vote from the pastor. They vote on things. And I, at the time, I thought, I don't like this model because people fight. But mm-hmm. well, right now, I think that's a better model because yeah. at least there's accountability for the people in leadership.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: at the time, I was like, oh, so much fighting, people fighting over things and all this stuff. Don't like it. But now... I. I changed my mind. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think having the at least having a, a good board that is mm-hmm. elected by the members of the church. I think that's good. But anyway, so it healed a little bit of that hurt from church.
2: Yeah,
1: on me, and I just got really active serving in kids ministry and all that, and I loved it. Love it. I don't regret. Don't regret anything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think God used in. For myself and for other people
0: mm-hmm.
1: in in his providential way that only he can do amen and but when it came to covid and we were all locked at home,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I started mm-hmm. noticing things that I disagreed theologically and doctrinally, okay because the thing is I never thought much if you go to a, if you go to a more traditional church or a church where they preach the Bible expositionally.
2: Mm-hmm
1: usually you get confronted with theological and doctrinal things mm-hmm. as the pastor preaches because he's going through the Bible expositionally. Yep. It's not like a pep talk kind of message. It's not like your purpose and your dreams and which a lot of the modern churches these days.
0: Yeah. Can you explain expositionally? Um,
1: like, yes. All right. Yeah, so I
0: know what it is, we, but like other people might be like, Oh, no, no
1: good, good question. So when you preach expositionally, you basically get a text of scripture, a text of the Bible and you explain what it says mm-hmm. and then you get an application from it. When you don't preach, you can preach topically, which is basically you think of an idea. Oh, today I'm going to talk about leadership or how to be a good husband or something. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's good things Mm -hmm. that you want to say. Then what you do is you go around the Bible and find verses that kind of support your position. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when you get verses out of context, they don't really mean what you're trying to say. Exactly. So topical preaching has that danger. I'm not completely against topical preaching, Mm -hmm. but it's. It's dangerous. You just have to be aware that you come up with an idea yourself. Maybe it didn't come from the Bible. Mm-hmm. I believe that the text of the Bible has one meaning. And if you read, maybe maybe a little bit more than one, but mm-hmm. you know, when the writer, it's human writers, but they were inspired by God.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When they wrote it, they had one idea in mind.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's something they want to communicate. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get that message, it's not the word of God anymore. Mm-hmm. It's whatever you're trying to make from that text. Mm-hmm. So when you preach expositionally, the goal is to get what does the author intended in this text and you preach it. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's, <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's difficult, if it's nice, if that's what people want to hear, but that's how you preach expositionally, Right. So because a hill song, there's not a lot of his exposition or preaching. It's more like five points on this or this and that, like, and there are some good preachers at Hillsong, right? So <laughs> you never get confronted much with doctrine and with you, you don't really have to challenge much of you, how you think about God and the Bible and stuff. It's more like, how do you think about yourself and how do you relate to other people? It's, some, some of these things are good things. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some of them are good things. But when you get into, and also in Hillsong Kids, the teaching is really good. Mm-hmm. i i think the teaching is is good i think I'll, I'll probably disagree with some of the things but it's very biblical you know that we go and because i was a leader in some kids i was constantly exposed to that kind of teaching
2: mm-hmm.
1: so i never thought oh this is bad or anything right but when we were with covid i was at home i started to think and I'm like oh hold on <laughs> this is not right yeah i don't this is not what I believe, mm. right? And there was this whole thing. The thing is that year twenty twenty was such a tumultuous year. Yeah. It was not just COVID. It was a. Uh, there was an election in the United States.
0: Just a and little, whenever... just a little one.
1: <laughs> no, not a big one. Just a little, just a little one. They were trying to destroy Donald Trump, you know, by all means possible. So <laughs> you, you, it was very tumultuous because. There was stuff with George Floyd that happened. And then whenever it's an election year, I mean, this is my opinion, Mm -hmm. (laughs) speaking out there. Whenever there's an election year, all parties use whatever events are happening to try to push people to their side. So it's like, oh, racism and this and this and that. And no, it's not. And riots and this. So it was quite a tumultuous year because it was COVID and there was the anti-racism, racism discussions yeah. and then the church, everyone was forced to take a stance. Like if you didn't take a stance, you're a racist. So yeah Houston had to make a stance. I did not like what pastor Brian said. I mm-hmm. thought it was dumb. And <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just like, I was like, this makes no sense. I was mad. Yeah. I, I was very mad. I'm like, seriously. Anyway, some of the things he said were okay, but then I, but I don't want to get to the details of it. I don't think it's the point of this, but it's just one of the, I started thinking, right. Mm-hmm. And another thing that is absolutely unacceptable, in my opinion, is mm-hmm. using the Passion Translation of the Bible. Maybe you never heard of it.
0: I, I've I've heard of the Passion Translation. Um, okay. Yeah.
1: It has, it has many problems, many problems <laughs> from translation wise, specifically. Yeah. And the way it came to be. So mm-hmm. I, I just I was like, why?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I took a deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I didn't want to be contra- I know I'm being controversial here, but you asked me the question. I'm I did. I did. Explaining. I'm explaining mm-hmm. my thinking.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I started thinking and I'm like, mm, I don't think I can do this of good conscience anymore. Yeah. Because I, will, I won't be giving my all. I'll always be questioning things. Mm-hmm. This is not good. Not good for me. It's not good for the church. And then when churches started coming back, Hillsong didn't come back. And I understand why, because it's logistically difficult. They had limits on how many people could be in the service. Mm-hmm. And Houston is a large church. And I think it was a hundred people. And like, how do you run a church that usually has a thousand people with a hundred people? Oh, yeah. Do you do like 10 services? You can't do that. Mm-hmm. So they didn't come back straight away. And I was just tired and sick of being at home, especially for the kids.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Th- this is not, watching a show is not is not a service. I'm sorry. No. So I wanted the kids to go back. to <laughs> Let's go to church. Mm-hmm. This is not church. This is you're watching a video and it's fun and entertaining. And maybe they're teaching some biblical things. But then- A friend of mine invited me to his church. Like, oh, my church is meeting again. Like, okay, great. We'll go to your church. We'll visit. You know, we're still at Hillsong. We're still members of Hillsong. Not that Hillsong has such a thing as a membership or the concept of membership. I didn't know that. Well, you don't, you you join, you're kind of a member. Like you start coming in, you're a member. There's no, some churches are very strict with membership. You actually have to go, especially some more traditional Baptist churches, Mm -hmm. you have to be accepted by the other members. Yeah. It's fascinating. Mm -hmm all the different ways the church do things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But so, yeah, we went there and we really liked it. It was good. Good preaching. It was a small church. People were friendly and really nice. And we really liked the church. Yeah. I loved it. But we were always telling them, no, we're visiting. Okay. We're from Hillsong. We're visiting. And also it was far away from where we moved because we moved to the western of Sydney, mm-hmm. to the west of Sydney. And that church was too near the city. Yeah. So it was like a bit, of, a bit of a drive to go to church on Sunday.
0: Yeah,
1: But it came to a point where we were going every every Sunday, more than the people who went to the church regularly. And the pastor was like, so when are you going to come and start serving and you know, go to a small group? And I told him, look, we're going to move to the West. Next year, we're going to look for a church near our house. And he said, "Oh, where are you going? And I told the suburb. And then he was like, oh, okay, this is your new church. You're going to go to MBM. And I don't like when people tell me things. No. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're a pastor, if you come to me and say, oh, God told me you're going to move to this country. I'm like, all oh, right. Okay. Yeah, sure. Sure. He, he sure did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, he did not. Stop using the name of God to tell me what to do. Yeah. Tell me what to do. Unless it's in the Bible. You, you stop it. Mm-hmm. But so I was a bit like, oh check it out. And he's like, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. This is your new church. He was adamant on the thing. Yeah. And I'm
2: like, I'll check it out and I love
1: him I I love him I actually love him he's such a good pastor great preacher
2: yeah and (laughs) I I was like
1: I'll check it out Mm -hmm. anyway it was Christmas we didn't want to go to a new church during Christmas because you know it's a different season yeah so in January we went there and we loved it (laughs) 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 he was right he was right he was right wow who knew so that's how it all happened yeah but anyway why did I st- start studying in SBTS? Mm-hmm. Throughout that year, I started reading the Bible more in t- 2021. Yeah. 2020. 2020. Because mm-hmm. we went to NBM in 2021. I started reading the Bible more and got really deep into studying it.
0: Good.
1: And then I thought, oh, I, I want to write books, theologically, theological books one day. Yeah. And I thought, I could probably write a book now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm sure it will be decent Mm
0: -hmm.
1: with a good editor
0: (laughs) praise God for editors praise God for editors. oh exactly
1: but then I thought in my mind well if I publish a book now no one is going to take my word for it what's my qualification I'm a bachelor's in computer science
0: (laughs) with honors but still (laughs) yeah yeah that honors is important you now have a letter after your name (laughs) a letter
1: not 10, but like one. <laughs> so I thought, look, I'm studying the Bible. Might as well get a degree after this. Yeah. Right? And then at least I have an MD from from a good... So I started looking for good, uh, conservative, reformed mm-hmm. theological seminaries. Mm-hmm. And SPTS was one that looked to me like was great. I like Albert Muller, who is the principal or whatever he's called, president. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's great. He stands on his ground on biblical things despite the the culture and the world
2: mm-hmm.
1: wanting to influence church in negative ways, mm-hmm. unbiblical ways. So yeah, that's why I sta- I started studying there before I went to MBM.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I've been doing that since mm-hmm. the end of two thousand Two thousand
0: twenty. <laughs> so so much. Dude. So that's that's 2019. how twenty nineteen to 2022 feels like three, <laughs> like three days, three years, all mushed together. Like it. I'm very thankful, though. I'm thankful because uh,
1: we, many things changed in the last two years, and they yeah. were good decisions. I actually mm-hmm. like living in, in Western Sydney. Mm-hmm. There's so much space. I, I used to be a city only guy. I would like Western Sydney. Oh no, this is <laughs> anywhere that was not Eastern suburbs to me it was west. It doesn't matter where it is. South, north, whatever, it's all west. Now I don't yeah. want to go there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But now I live in the west and I live actually near farmland. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Love everything about it. I started studying at SBTS. I love everything about it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, important decisions for our lives, me and fam- my family. And
2: yeah,
0: I'm very
1: thankful. I'm yeah. very thankful for the last two years, despite the craziness. Mm-hmm. I'm
0: very thankful. Yeah, that's a beautiful perspective to have. How do you handle like I guess other people's judgments on what you've done. Of Like, oh, you're going to a conservative seminary, you're going to you're going to Southern Baptist, like college like oh like have you heard about them (laughs) like oh and oh you you know what you said before of like oh the election and they were trying to destroy Donald Trump and people like whoa like you're pro-Trump like how do you deal with people who just kind of surface level hear what you say and then automatically lump you in this category of whatever they think of
1: I don't mind (laughs) (laughs) The, the the short answer is I don't care. Yeah, but we all care. Even people who say I don't care, we all care what people think of us. Yeah, in a way or another. And, I mean, this is a, this is a very big question. Mm-hmm. Usually, what I do, I try not to be controversial. I try not, <laughs> I try not to incite, fight. Yeah. Even when we left your song. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell them all the things I told you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We met with two pastors. We said we're moving to the West. We're moving. We want to go to a smaller church, closer to a house, smaller community. There are other reasons.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: if you want to know, I'm happy to talk about them.
2: Mm-hmm. That's
1: what I said. They pray for us, the end. They didn't ask. I didn't tell them. Mm-hmm. On social media, on the other hand, <laughs> I'm very open about my opinions. And I try, I've, I've been trying to be more respectful and more careful in which words specifically I use mm-hmm. without limiting the things that I think I should say. Yeah. But although sometimes there, sometimes you don't need to say. There's a lot of people saying things. It's very noisy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm trying to, I'm, I'm still learning what mm-hmm. to do there. But in person, I, I don't go to people and start sh- 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 shouting at their face, right? Mm-hmm. Even at work, especially at work, you know, you're there to work. You're not there to discuss politics or events or, or your opinion on things. I'm mm-hmm. paid to write computer code. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. I do it well. I come. I do it well. I go to meetings. I treat people with respect. Independently of what they believe and who they are, mm-hmm. w- no problem. Yeah. Anyone, treat them with respect.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's how I do it. If people ask me questions, on the other hand, I have no problem in talking about it. Mm -hmm. so one day at work we were having lunch and for some reason other people were talking about the election because it was just after the election and it's usually the echo chamber of oh yeah well and that was before it was well established that there was no corruption in the election I mean there was corruption in the election but not the way that to me the corruption in the election is the manipulation of the media not so much the ballots that got lost or whatever Mm -hmm. although there's always a little bit of ballots that get added in I mean, paper ballots have this tendency, especially maybe in ballots, there's, there's the possibility of fraud. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was enough fraud to change the election. Mm-hmm. I personally don't think. I think what the Trump campaign was doing was a bit over the top and discredited them and made them lose the election, the special election later in uh, Georgia. Was it Georgia or whatever it was? Not important. Mm-hmm. Irrelevant. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. They lost. That's, but yeah.
1: Right, exactly. But at the time of that conversation, I wasn't, I wasn't sure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe there was fraud. It looked like there was evidence that looked like there was some stuff happening.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they were all like, oh yeah, Trump this, Trump that. And I'm like, look, they're going to challenge in court. And who knows? It's too so open-ended. Mm-hmm. The investigation wasn't done yet. Mm-hmm. And they were bit shocked <laughs> that I said that because mm-hmm. they realized I wasn't going with the echo chamber that everybody was talking about. Mm-hmm. Because I was just like, well, I don't know. I am not convinced mm-hmm. yet. And later on, I was fully convinced. Like, yeah, no, there's, there's no, there's no evidence. This is all like, I heard this, I said this, or whatever. So that's basically how I, how I conduct myself. I don't usually, unless people ask me,
2: hmm.
1: or unless I'm around people that I know will be okay with me talking. Haven't you know? I keep to myself, hmm. unless it's on social media or my YouTube channel,
0: <laughs> which you can find at. But,
1: my name, Carlos Dionisio. Just search that on YouTube, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. And my Instagram is nerdfeliz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, N-E-R-D-F-E-L-I-Z. Thank you. But Anyway, the, another thing I wanted to say about this is when people criticize me, I like feedback. I love mm-hmm. feedback. I take feedback from everybody. You know, sometimes people say, oh, I only take feedback from trusted people. I take feedback from everybody. Mm-hmm. If people criticize me, even if it's offensive, I don't care. It doesn't bother me mm-hmm. at all. If it's about my family, it's a different story. But if it's me and me only, mm-hmm. don't care. Mm-hmm. You can say whatever you want. People say all sorts of stuff on my YouTube channel, especially when I criticize things like the Soviet Union. It's fascinating mm-hmm. how many trolls that love the Soviet Union come and, and say, oh, this is a lie. What you're saying is a lie, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, where did you come from? Anyway, <laughs> I don't mind. Mm-hmm. What I do is I take what they say and I think about it. Is there some truth here?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: can I get better? <laughs> and then if there is, I, oh, okay, maybe I should do this differently. If there isn't, I just like, okay, whatever, ignore it. Mm-hmm. But I do that with everybody. And I, of course, I have trusted friends that I ask for feedback often mm-hmm. or who will give me. But I don't mind. I love when people tell me stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes it can be hurtful. I'm not saying that it's like, oh yes, please tell me how how dumb I am, how inappropriate it was for me to say this. Yeah. Please tell me. I love it. I love hearing you tell me off mm-hmm. for th- dumb things
0: I did. No, I, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. but i also appreciate it mm-hmm. i hope that makes sense no that does make sense i think having that kind of like humility of being like i'm not perfect um i will say but i am perfect <laughs> i'm joking <laughs> i'm joking i'm joking are you oh, though? Well. are you joking now <laughs>
1: No, I am, I am joking. Yeah, I, know, I know
0: I'm not, I'm not perfect.
1: <laughs> but anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah. I, I've been talking this whole time. You're not saying anything. I feel I feel bad.
0: No, Um. Uh, I think, like, having that humility of being like, no, I'm not perfect. I'm always in the constant state of being sanctified and being improved. And if yeah. that comes from, like... People who love me, that's great. If that comes from people who hate me, it's like there's a filter that goes of like, okay, obviously there's a lot of hatred here, but like what you said, is there truth in your statement? Can I Sometimes actually, there is. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Then it's like, if there's truth in that, I will listen to the criticism. And if there isn't truth, then it's like, oh well, like, thank right. you for saying your opinion. Freedom of speech is a good thing. Um <laughs> like usually I reply
1: with funny comments in return. <laughs> when I when I can be bothered replying. Yeah but that's always the thing of like, but, yeah. Even, even people who love me, I still filter their feedback, by the way.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I filter everybody's feedback. Huh. I always consider, mm, is this person right? Unless it's my wife, then it's, yeah. it's always right. <laughs> oh, bless. Um, just shifting. <laughs> you have beers. to say that. You know, it's, it's a requirement. You have, you kind of have to say that. <laughs>
0: <Huh>. <laughs> Beautiful. Like when she listens to this, like she's going to be like, what did you say? Um, but how did you and your wife meet? In Hillsong kids.
1: Oh, really? Yes, we were both kids. Kids leaders. Yes,
0: that's so adorable.
1: Mm, it wasn't so adorable uh, the first time, though, because <laughs> I was I was a bit of a, a bit of a dork, and <laughs> I, we were the first time we met, and she likes to tell, loves to tell this story. I hate this story, huh? but I'll tell you for the sake of this podcast. Okay, I'll tell you my version of the story. Okay. But we went to a kids' ministry conference. Mm-hmm. It's basically the kids' pastor ministry conference of the ACC mm-hmm. in Australia. Koki called Shaper. That's the first time we've met. Because he, she used to go to a different campus than me at Hillsong. So we didn't see each other all the time. And I did a face mask, face painting. Face mask. <laughs> Hello, COVID. I did a face painting workshop or something you know because you're kids leaders you do face painting I suppose Mm -hmm. and we had to paint each other's face and I had a my face was painted like a tiger Mm -hmm. and then we went out for lunch and I think it was all the whole group from Houston went and I basically uh, that's what she says I don't remember this at all I turned around and I did on her face she was with friends and then she just she thought what a weird man (laughs) (laughs) that's how we first met by the way yeah yeah but then over over time (laughs) and i didn't like her at the time like i wasn't really thinking about it Mm -hmm. and then i started liking her and after some insistence from my friend to call her and ask her out yeah so there was a it's a long story how we (laughs) how we started dating and got married it's a long story as well
0: (laughs) oh but a beautiful story i can imagine um in terms of like – because you mentioned that you have kids of your own. Are they under 10? Yes, three yes. and six. So if you were to like create both, – since both of you, both you and your wife, were in Kids Church, if you were to explain or create a curriculum that equips these young kids to know biblical truth, how would how do you guys do it or how would you do it in your family? My <laughs> creating a curriculum that's a lot of work yeah well maybe not a curriculum but like how I'll change the question to how do you and your wife teach your kids the like the Bible or biblical truth yeah good question mm-hmm. well
1: you see I learned in my first course at Sbts
2: mm-hmm.
1: I did a course called personal spiritual disciplines
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he talked about preaching and he talked about not preaching sorry Praying and reading the Bible. So all the spiritual disciplines you do personally. Mm-hmm. Reading the Bible and praying and fasting. And family worship. Which is the responsibility of the man.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And if there's no man, there's responsibility of whoever else. The single mom. Which is an unfortunate situation, but it happens a lot. Unfortunately.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: In this sinful world. But at the time, before bed, we would pray. We always prayed. With the kids, but then when I got that message, when I when I when I when I got taught daily worship with your family is the responsibility of the father. So your responsibility to lead your wife and your kids spiritually. I was thoroughly convicted, mm-hmm. and I immediately started doing family worship. We converted that prayer time before bed into family worship. And what's family worship? There's three components. I'm gonna write an new book on this. Okay.
0: You heard it first here, folks.
1: Go to, go to my inst- If you want to know when it comes up, mm-hmm. just follow me on Instagram. You will mm-hmm. know there. Or YouTube. I'm sure I'll tell you everywhere. But there's three components of... And I, the reason I want to write an new book on this is because I didn't know. I wish I knew earlier. Mm-hmm. No one ever taught me, taught me to do this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's so many families out there. They don't do this with their kids. And it is the responsibility of the family to guide their kids spiritually.
0: Agreed. I
1: used to go to a Seventh-day Adventist school in Brazil.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I would say Christian school, but they are more like a cult than Christian. But it's arguable. <laughs> I can't put it up there. But, okay. But I went to that school and many of the students in that school, they were very problematic students that the parents just thought, I can't do it. I'll just put it in the school and hopefully the school will fix it. And a lot of us have that mindset that it's the school that will teach my kids stuff. No, it's mm-hmm. not. It's not the school. It's not the church. It's not the youth group. It is the parents. Everyone else is just supporting the parents. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I had that reality. I wish I learned earlier. And that's why I'm writing that ebook, because I want people to know. Do it. Anyway, so there's three components. It's you sing a song or as many as you want. It's worship. Reading the Bible and prayer. Those are the three components. And it's not written in the Bible specifically, but it comes from like historic Christianity. They all did all the first nation f- First Nations. <laughs> not first nations.
0: First century. The-
1: the first century Christians mm-hmm. did it. And at the time they didn't go they didn't go to church much, they would go to synagogues. And I mean, it's a bit hard to explain everything here, but they did a lot of meetings at homes.
2: Yeah. So it was all very
1: family mm-hmm. and home churches, right? So then anyway, I started doing that. Uh, worship, we sing a song, we read the Bible, we pray.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's what we do. And I think that's if you do that every day. And we went through kids' Bibles. We have three different ones. Mm-hmm. I bought. We had one, and then I bought two other ones. <clears throat> and we read through the entire kids' Bible, and then we went to the next one. We read through the entire kids' Bible, went to the next one, and we did that twice.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Kids, Bible, kids' Bible, kids' Bible, kids' Bible, kids' Bible, kids' Bible. Because my kids are young. Mm-hmm. But then it came Christian, uh, C- Christmas. We started reading the Bible, the Bible, as it is, mm-hmm. the story of the birth of Jesus, and we started reading John. And we've just been reading John ever since. Mm-hmm christmas so we're in chapter 10 now
2: mm-hmm.
1: and i just read john read a few verses and then i ask them questions and i talk about it
2: mm-hmm.
1: and this is like the more formal way that we teach them and they're young but they are still they're getting things you know mm-hmm. i read about it's hard i'm reading the sv i'm not reading new living translation or anything easier
2: mm-hmm.
1: and i have to explain words a lot mm-hmm. but they still pick up stuff mm-hmm. so that's one another component is the informal times when kids will ask you questions. And you answer them, and the other one, which is really important as well, very important. It you can't get it, you can't do the two without doing this one. Is you live what you what are you preaching? Mm-hmm. Because if you just go and read the Bible and then you live a life that is completely different, your kids, kids are smart. They know, right? They are not going to be like, oh yeah, well my dad told me to do this, but he did this instead.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, just an example. Don't talk with your mouthful. Every time I talk with my mouthful, oh my gosh, it's like a I get accusation from all sides. It, I, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Can't talk my muffle. It's like what you talk, I taught you too well about this, right? <laughs> or like I sometimes I have food just before dinner or lunch. I go mm-hmm. and get a snack or something, and they're like, "Why are you having it?" And then I have to tell them, "Look, when you're old like me, you can eat whatever you want anytime you want." But right now, and I know it's a bit inconsistent, but there are reasons why kids have these rules. Is because they will just eat chocolate all the time. I, mm-hmm. I'm an adult. You know, yeah. I will finish my dinner and I'll finish my lunch, even if I ate this before. And mm-hmm. we tell them, look, I know I'm going to finish my lunch, but if you eat this, you're not going to finish. But there's a small things, but when it comes to big things, mm-hmm. like Christian things, and that's the thing I have to work, we all do. But if you mess up, you have to say sorry. Yeah. You have to be consistent with what you're teaching
2: mm-hmm. from the
1: Bible. Otherwise they will know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think those are the three pillars, official, uh, like formal teaching, mm-hmm. informal day-to-day teaching and the way you live your life. Yeah. But some people think that, oh, just the way I live my life is enough. It's not. <laughs> the, the Bible needs to be read and preached for people to understand it.
2: Yeah.
1: But if you don't live your life ac- according to it, it's also bad. So you need it all. <laughs> yeah. Being a Christian is not easy. Living a Christian life and following Jesus is not easy, and it will cost you everything. It will mm-hmm. cost your life.
0: So you, you have to understand that and and act accordingly. Yeah. yeah. No, I totally agree with you. Of like the discipline of um, reading the Bible and actually doing like as much as. Let me back up a bit. I think sometimes Christians fall into the trap of that. Oh, the since, you know, God lives in us, it should be easy. We should just read the Bible and just instantly get things that we do. And it shouldn't be work because if it's work, then it's like, it's not spirit filled or whatever garbage people say that. But when you realize that it's like God inspired the word of God, the Bible Mm. and those first century and sometimes actually pre-B.C., um authors who wrote that like you said had a specific intent of writing that the bible was written to that specific audience but it was written for us mm. modern people and when we understand that we we put ourselves in that context we're able to be like okay this is what they meant and that takes work to put yourself oh, yeah. in the, like how would pre like modern science people think about this idea like, instead of right. being like, oh, we understand the concept of germs, of like, if something defi- right. quote-unquote defiled falls into a pot of rice, we check out the whole thing. We don't just scoop right. out one part, like in Leviticus. <laughs> but, like, they didn't understand that. So how do we view that from their point mm. of view? But basically, I yeah, I agree with what you said. There's a, yeah, there's a, it, it, we have a mind. God gave yeah. us a, a mind
1: and emotions. Exactly. Right. But he also gives a mind. Mm-hmm. For a reason, in reason, right? Mm-hmm. To to reason and read and and make sense of things. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's so important for pastors to also preach expositionally.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Is because if you preach in a church, not everyone is studying the Bible like I do. Mm-hmm. In fact, most people are not. Right? I can I can read a text and I will know exegetical methods to understand. Oh. What does it actually mean? Where should I go? I go to a commentary. I go to the original text, Mm -hmm. whatever, right? Most people don't. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. (laughs) That's okay. But when a pastor comes and preaches, oh, God spoke to me this week and then starts getting verses from here, there, and there. People don't learn how to read the Bible because they think they just have to wait until God speaks to them and tell them a verse. But when a pastor preaches expositionally and goes through a text and explains this, 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 at the same time that the pastor is preaching, He's also teaching people how to read the Bible for themselves at Mm heart every Sunday. Mm -hmm. And yeah.
0: No, I totally agree. I think um, teaching people how to read the Bible is just... One of the things that should be foundational in how to be a disciple of Jesus, because Mm. if we teach people how to read the Bible, we teach people how to think, not necessarily what to think, because that's propaganda and cultish. But if you teach people how to read the Bible, how to think critically, they will be able to, like, reason well and see how other beliefs try to infiltrate their ways of thinking and how certain beliefs are against the word of God and how we are to live as citizens mm-hmm. of God and be ambassadors of him. So I I want to commend you with how you are teaching your kids in terms of like um, you went through the whole Bible with them first before well, Bible, so. you went into like specific, like let's start at John. But it was my personal pet peeve is when somebody's a new Christian and they get told, "Hey, start in John." And I find that to be like deeply annoying because I'm like it's <laughs> like it's it's like saying, "Hey, here's the whole Marvel cinematic universe and I want you to start with Thor Ragnarok." Right. I mean, you can start with Thor Ragnarok. That's for sure, like I'm not saying you shouldn't. But you are starting a series in the middle. Of an overarching story, and you won't understand the nuances and the background characters, and that's what I and right. I think it's really important for people to know the whole Bible, whether right. it's like just a just a mini sketch in your brain of right. like where are we in the in the Bible, and then right. you go and start. To be fair, specific books. The Old Testament is difficult
1: at times. Agreed. To understand, mm-hmm. to interpret, and really make sense of some things. Mm-hmm. So if you tell a new Christian to start in Genesis, he or she might be very confused. I, I love Genesis. Mm-hmm. I love Genesis. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. Mine too. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I absolutely love Genesis. But I, I, I see, and I think that's why it's important. Again, I'll go back to the pastor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's important if the pastor preaches the text of the Bible, mm-hmm. as opposed to messages they are encouraging, as, as nice as it is to listen to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's nice sometimes. Sometimes you just want some encouragement mm-hmm. and it's nice. But when you teach the text of the Bible, the New Testament quotes the Old Testament all the time. All the time. So if the pastor is preaching expositionally, he will have to explain the whole story of the Bible. There's no getting away from it. Mm-hmm. You know, (laughs) so I think that's so important that a pastor preaches expositionally Mm -hmm. because it puts the people listening, especially New Christians, in perspective. Where is this text? Why is Jesus saying this? Oh, because there was a prophecy from a prophet in Isaiah. Mm -hmm. Oh, because God, because Adam and Eve were like this. Oh, because Abraham, a promise God made to Abraham. Oh, because of Moses. Mm -hmm. So when you're preaching exposition, the New Testament is basically a simplifying here, but it's a commentary on the Old Testament. Yeah. Basically, they're explaining how all the law and the prophets and the writings are fulfilling Jesus mm-hmm. in the New Testament. That's that's the story. It's basically it, both of them, New Testament Old Testament converge in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, if you preach properly and you, you understand properly, but I, I see what you say. Oh yeah, no, don't worry about us teaching stuff. Just go read John. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm just like, just no. No, no. And no, even no. John is a bit tricky sometimes. So, That's that's the thing. Like John, out of all the four gospels, is the most like deeply Old Testament commentary style of the four gospels the whole time. Yeah, is Jesus saying, "I am the Messiah." Yeah, who are you?
1: It is who I am. Before before Abraham was, I am. How do you know what that means? If you don't
0: understand the Old Testament, (laughs) like if you don't know Exodus, you'd be like. (laughs) I don't know why this I is a big deal. Right, exactly. Like, why is this a big deal? But if you start in Matthew, for for example, Matthew is a far more like simple, straightforward vibe for like new Christians because it's created to be to cater to people who are new to. Like, hey, we're introducing you to the fact that Jesus is actually like the Jewish Messiah, and I'm right. going to gently reveal to you right. how that works. But anyway, that's that's my that's my own pet peeve. I don't um, know it's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, we've reached the part where you get to ask me, but the tradition of the podcast is that I ask you all these questions, and at the end, you get to ask me one or two questions, and then we finish off.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the part I didn't prepare for, is it? <laughs> I didn't prepare for this at all. I completely forgot. Yeah. But I mean, I didn't read. I f- maybe I didn't read or something.
2: Yeah.
0: All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Where are you from? Um, as in, like, where I, Where am I now? Where do you live right now. Yeah. Yeah. Melbourne. Oh, Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you know Noah personally? Yeah. That's That's what? how we know each
1: other. That's- also, you know him personally. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, great! Great! Cool! 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 Yeah. So Noah and I, we have a podcast called The Okay Boomers. Mm-hmm me, Noah and Louise.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So if you want check out their podcast, <laughs> Yeah. but in Melbourne, right. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And have you been, do
0: you live in Melbourne your whole life? No. Um, I was born in Zimbabwe, grew oh, up cool. in New Zealand and now live in Australia. That's amazing. Yeah. Thanks. So when did you move out of Zimbabwe? I was 11. So 2005, 2006. When do Disney. you remember much? Yeah, um, I remember, because I grew up there, I remember, um, like, the memory that comes to mind at the moment is, like, one of the houses we live, we used to live in, in the capital of Harare, and, um, this was a time when the, basically, um, strikes started to happen because the economy started collapsing and there was a bread shortage and the uh, army started like driving through like the city and there was like tear gas everywhere and and, like you oh wow yeah like it was (laughs) (laughs) like it was a whole vibe um and the thing with tear gas is that you have to have to counteract tear gas you need water basically so Free tip. If you ever tear gas, make sure you have water beside you with a wet cloth over your eyes right. in the orifice or just dunk your head in water. You see that in protests a lot. Yeah. When so
1: police, tear gas, protesters. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So water is the key. So yeah, that's that's the memory that was there. And um, my dad decided to like uh, migrate to New Zealand because he kind of saw that the country yeah, right. was collapsing. Everything was falling apart. So we moved.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. And I, I know the reality from Brazil. I mean, that's a, Zimbabwe is a, it's a vibe. All, all, all this, all this uh, how can I say, developing or third world, I don't know what's the, the name these days, mm-hmm. countries all have some very, the way it was colonized or explored or whatever you want to call it, Yeah, left some serious consequences mm-hmm. on, on it. So you see that throughout Africa. Mm-hmm. Even South Africa, one of the, you know, the richest country in Africa. I think one of the richest countries in Africa. Mm-hmm. It's still very, so, so much going on there. Mm-hmm. But to move to another country
2: mm-hmm.
1: and New Zealand being a, probably a more expensive country.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I know it's not hard for, I know, I know it's not easy for Brazilians to make a move to Australia, for example.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's usually the people who either can afford or they save a lot of money and sacrifice a lot to do it. Or maybe you're in another nation where you need permission to move, like maybe China potentially. Like if you're not a friend of the government, you can't really do that kind of stuff. So this is a very a very personal question. But I just want to understand.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Was it easy for you, your family to move to New Zealand or was it like a big sacrifice?
0: Um I think from memory, my was my my extended family. Um, about a quarter of them are in London. Oh, so right. um, I think from memory, my dad saved up and there was a loan that my dad got from oh, wow. one of my aunts right. and then like he paid it back, obviously. Um, but it was a combination of that that led us to fly from Zim to New Zealand right. and I remember arriving at Christchurch airport being like this is so weird um, <laughs> but yeah yeah wow, well, mm-hmm. it's a big deal it's a big deal
1: moving countries
2: mm-hmm.
1: and as I said before I, I very thankful to my grandfather mm-hmm. because if you weren't for him supporting my whole trip I, and I see people in Brazil who's like oh I wish I could go and it's so hard because mm-hmm. sometimes people want to move but they can't Yeah, it's too expensive Yep. or Or sometimes they want to, and then they get to the place and they realize, like one or someone from my family went to do a schol- not study in London, mm-hmm. and she stayed there for three months, and she hated it mm-hmm. because the people are so closed. yeah, but then London is a bit different than here. I think I think in Australia we're a little bit more open. Mm-hmm. in Brazil, people are so friendly. Every time I go to Brazil, I go to a grocery s- store
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm just shocked at how friendly people are yeah and they're like how are you going and da, 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 da. I'm like do I know you like what is going on?" but it's just how it is the culture you know you yeah know what I'm saying anyway I can I can keep asking questions I can ask questions for the for the next hour if you want but I think uh there was, those are more than two questions
0: yeah So yeah thank you so much um it was a great time and like great first conversation it was it was fabulous
1: yeah great I, I had fun as well yeah I had fun. thank you for having me
0: that is okay mm-hmm.